Welcome to the Seven Ways Podcast. This is Sefer Shoftim, the Book of Judges, the Downstream from Religion series. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact me, rabbi at rabbibailey.com or rabbibailey at thesevenways.com. We continue here now with Chapter 3, Paragimel, in Shoftim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God, allowed many nations to remain in the land of Israel to test Israel so that they may know war. Although war has gotten an extremely negative connotation nowadays, and of course it is a sort of necessary evil, at this time in Shoftim it's extremely important that the Jewish people know how to defend themselves from outside attackers. Many shvata, many um, nations are mentioned here. We will discuss them later in the book. You know, it's said, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. It is extremely important that at all times people know how to defend themselves in terms of an outer war, even an inner war. You know, sedition from within is the greatest poison. Having a bigger stick than the other guy will stop the other guy. Don't mess with us. So the idea is that war is a necessary evil, but it's important that people remain vigilant and strong to keep out foreign influence, bribery, idolatry, sedition, corruption. And at the times of Shoftim, people did not know previous wars. It was extremely important that HaKadosh Baruch Hu God kept them knowing, knowing those things. And now, as I sit here in 2021, we've had sort of a good times situation where people are quote-unquote weak obviously we're not weaklings but we don't um, have an extensive practice in self-defense in a healthy military strategy and defense and unity obviously in Eretz Israel in the land of Israel there's a lot more practice probably for cosmically important reasons so we have been the victim of a lot of sedition and corruption and false media etc it's uh, readily apparent why it's important to not love and perseverate on war, but that it is necessary to have a self-defense and strength. So the Jewish people needed to have war, and unfortunately they did what was evil in the eyes of Hashem, and they forgot HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I highly recommend to look at uh, pictures of maps of Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel, the Middle East, uh, for today's class. Uh, this year now, I will try to post, I have permission from Masad of Cook to post certain pictures from Das Atlas Mikra, from the Atlas Mikra, the Dat Mikra Bible Atlas. It's in English now. It's a great book. I highly recommend it in the language of your preference. And they did what was evil in the eyes of Hashem. They forgot Hashem and they, wor they worshipped the Baalim and the Ashtaros. So we discussed in the, ch in the second introduction to the book that different types of Abodazara, different forms and images of idolatry have to do with archetypes that people are thinking about, have to do with specific concepts and archetypes that people are yearning for. They're looking for certain saviors, or certain indulgences, certain emotions. 
captured here are sort of the mother and father to me of idolatry. Baalim and Ashtaroth. Baalim. And again, I, I highly recommend the second introduction to this series. That's the second uh, class. Baalim, I see in here initially strong masculine male archetypes. Back to Egypt, back to Abu Zara they used to have. And over time, Baalim really contains lots of different components, different, adult, uh, different idols. However, it becomes ugly with the Seir. It becomes this ugly goat, which is still a type of idolatry for today. Asteros is really a female archetype that becomes man's own creation of female. It's not just a feminine goddess, lowercase g, that a person is you know, yearning for. And that's a normal, healthy person. It's a goddess that someone is hoping comes along to save the day. And as the person waits for that female to come along to save the day, they do not develop strength. They do not develop attitudes of healthy vigilance in war. Uh, rather, they become uh, indulgent in inappropriate ways and in ways of weakness. And in a similar way, they're waiting for a man, a strong male archetype like a Zeus, uh, come along and save them. A Zeus to come along and save them. That's a that's the Baalim. The Baalim is a strong archetype, and then it becomes this ugly goat because you know people really create a Vodazar in their own image, in their own unhealthy, narcissistic, or abused, abused or um, sick, twisted archetype. And the goat is like a primordial, ugly creature that someone worships because people who are hurt hurt other people. People who are damaged tend to project that. Like a road, the man who made the mule himself was a monster and he created things that are, that are messed up the nature of creation. So here I see very paradigmatic father and mother archetypes um, of you know wanting to be saved. And Jewish people worship them, it weakens them. It sends Kushan Rishasayim, king of Aram Naharayim, to go and fight them. And he subjugated Israel for eight years. It seems strange that Hashem would send a king from, from somewhat far away. It's not, a far, it's not as far away as India, but it's over in Mesopotamia. For what reason uh, did Hashem send this king? And it's eight, eight years of significance. Next, uh, B'nai Yisrael finally cried out. They finally cried out. And that the Midrash Tanchum I mentioned says they got back with religion. And Hashem was willing to send them a savior in Asniel ben Kanaz, who was Kalev's younger brother. The spirit of Hashem was upon him. He judged Israel, and then he went to war. We have to understand why he first judged them, and then they go to war. And we must understand of what significance it is that Asniel ben Kanaz is coming to be the leader. We must turn to Masecha uh, Sanhedrin, Kufayim and Aleph. It's also near Shalmi Nazir. Kushan uh, Rishasayim. So the Midrash says, this is Baor. That's the father of Bilam. Bilam from the Book of Numbers, uh, Sefer by Midbar. He is the same person as Kushan Rishasayim. Kushan is this double wicked man. He is Lavan. Remember Laban, Lavan, who Yaakov had to joust with as a father in law. Baor, Shabal, Al Bayer. He had relations with his Ason, with his female donkey. 
Kushin Rishasayim, the Avach Shtay Rishios, Yisrael Achas, Bimir Yaakov Achas, Bimishal Choptim. He functioned, he served with two evilnesses, once in the days of Yaakov, because Lavan ran after Yaakov, and once in the days of the Shoftim. Here, after Yahushua died, Kushin Rishasayim came to oppress them. All right, it's important to, again to understand how to learn Midrash. Midrash primarily is not a historical set of books to teach us what happened before. It is a book of concepts and ideas. It is meant to bring us concepts of advice, of insight, of linking text together. So first you have to start with a conceptual interpretation of metaphor and homily to understand what's going on. So whenever I see in a Midrash that XYZ person is the same as ABC person, I understand that they had similar behavior, not that they lived hundreds of thousands of years. For example, Nimrod, we knew, was a mighty warrior who oppressed the world, says it in Bratius. And it said, um, our sages say in the Midrash that he was in charge of Midal Bava, the Tower of Bava, Babel. I, I don't think he lived for that long. It wasn't so long. Uh, he oppressed the world with control and totalitarian dictatorship. So here, this Kushan Rishasayim is grabbing on to the behavior of a man who lived in the same region of Lavan, which means to me that he would con he was constantly attacking and prodding and coming with this um, unhealthy gavura and malchus and unhealthy meta uh, attack and ongoing attack. Lavan also worshipped idols, even though he pretended like he didn't. He cleaned out the house for his son-in-law. He's a father of Bilam, which means that the type of person that would father of someone who would have relations with his own, with a donkey, someone who would curse Israel, even though he was very bright. So I see in there a father who is permissive, lead his son down the road of perdition that we spoke about in the second introduction. That someone who constantly gives in to their desire will need to remove God from the equation to justify their desire. They will begin with uh, going after women and end up in um, the middle of their perverse journey with uh, being with animals. Eventually with idolatry, with all kinds of bizarre and sick destruction, not to be mentioned here. These are the qualities of the Kushan Rishasayim. You know, and I also see him being from the area of Abram's family and father steeped in sort of a really base of what is our really ancient base uh, type of uh, idol worship that Abraham initially repudiated. This tells me that the Jewish people are experiencing a very strong and very basic but potent attack on their religion. This man is coming and saying, I am the king of the old world idolatry. You guys remember, I used to be with your great-great-great-grandfather. I'm going to come here and shove these idols in your face. I'm going to come here and see if you guys are up to the battle, up to the job. Those exact two tests that it says in the text itself. And he dominated them. For what reason is it eight years? So eight, eight could be just symbolic intrinsically, as Maharal often learns. But I like to combine the practical and the symbolic, practical and conceptual. When something goes through a cycle of seven years, that's considered a full cycle, a unit. And that's not only because it's a nice number. 
The reason is that in the first year or the first section, it goes through a chesed development and then a gavur development. As we said in introduction number one, the spheros are the prototypical way that something develops in this world, whether it be a story, a, a human's life, a book, a thought, anything goes through those stages. So to me, eight years means they went through an entire unit of subjugation, and eight is usually above nature, it's something extra. They went through an entirety of cycle of living in Israel with idolatry and evil. One extra year became too much for them. They decided to, to say, we're not going to go through another cycle here. It needs to end. But our whole nature, our whole nature, above nature, will not be destroyed. And therefore, they cried out to Hashem. They did the teshuva. A snail ben Kanaz comes from Yehuda. We, we mentioned at length in introduction number one that the different Jewish tribes were harnessing different midos, different of the spheros. So you, Yehuda, tribe of Yehuda, Judah, harnesses Malchus, kingship. This tells us that the initial shofi, the initial judge to come, was someone who came with a tremendous amount of power and strength, could have been the king, but he wasn't because the Jewish people were not ready structurally and religiously to get there. They were not fully steady in their Judaism, and they did not go through the seven stages of the Spiros to build up the nation structurally, religiously, emotionally, psychologically, and tightly bound as a nation for Yusoda to get to the Malchus stage. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God, saw it important to have a Malchus person come to send an extremely strong message to the Jewish people in the world. On the one hand, you cannot just come with power and strength to solve a problem. You have to come with full, steady, religious fervor, not just temporary, and you must come with all the proper developments through the lessons of the Avos and the other Ushpizen, the lessons of the six people that came before to, to teach the lessons of different parts of Judaism and how the world works. It's a message that this won't work, but it's also a message that things can work. It's a taste of repudiation of Avodah idolatry. It's a taste of religious um, return to religion. And it's a message that the Jewish people can, yes, conquer the enemies. And I think the reason why he judges them before he goes to war is that he's getting everyone to be uh, purified and have a revival, religious revival. That's what I was thinking of. There is a midrash here that says, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachman says, Asnil ben Kanaz Shafat, he made a judicious argument in front of God. He said, Did Moshe not say whether they're doing your will or whether they're not doing your will, you will redeem them? And then he had a spirit upon him and he judged Israel and they went to war. So he made an argument just like Moshe. It's a sort of a rachamim, it's like a it's a supplication that supersedes judgment. How can these people go to the wayside even if they're not totally dedicated to religion? 
they need a chance to survive. That judgment he judiciously made in front of God was answered. So I read it into the text that he got them to be more kosher and proper with the judgment on a technical level. And God saw through his passion and through a spark, a smidgen of them coming back, that they should indeed be redeemed. So he defeats this primordial idolatrous king. And the land was tranquil for 40 years. And a snail son of Canaz died. And that 40 years might really correspond to the 40 years they were in the desert. Perhaps 40 days in Mount Sinai. Again, not just for symbolic reasons, but 40 years is a generation. And maybe perhaps a new generation had to come. And the older generation had to leave. So that there was a freshness to this cycle of the spheros. Next is Ehud ben Gera. I will finish this shorter podcast by saying that, you know, the lesson here is, and this happened recently politically, I don't want to mention names because it'll polarize people, but, you know, someone with a very strong personality can have a lot of people who support them, but if they do not have full people supporting them at all levels of a state, for example, as a governor, and all levels of the government as a president, and I could be referring to many presidents recently, I'm not getting political here, then they will not be able to have potency. A person cannot just cram their way into president of a synagogue or a church. A person cannot just cram their way into government. And even if they're doing good things, they might very well be doing good things or bad things. They need to have the full network structure underneath them. Ain melech am. That doesn't just mean, oh, if you don't have a nation, you're just a, a king in your own bedroom by yourself. That means that you need to call and gather the following together to become a united people. If there is not that proper structure and connection, there will be discord. And if there is not that proper dedication to an ideology, preferably the high-level ideology, the highest level of Judaism, dedication to Hashem, the highest level of dedication to God in a pure form, that group will flounder. What's interesting is that politically, the last several presidents, I'm not going to pick one to promote or criticize, have provided, have, have presided over a very fractured country People with dissenting opinions, blocking each other from having unity. And on top of that, tremendous amount of lack of constructive ideology, working together, dedication to God. And this leads to that erosion in society of people using worshipping, literally worshipping idols, people taking ideologies that are false and putting them into school and classes, education system. And as God Saad, a very interesting Lebanese Jewish professor, who's a professor in Canada, writes in his book, Parasitic Mind, you know, false ideas, illogical, anti-God ideas are like diseases. They become a parasite in the mind and they cause disease in the whole way of thinking. One idea can corrupt many ideas, and it can lead to many ideas directly. If you don't believe in you know, something being scientific or plain as day in front of you, 
you will keep creating false realities to go down that road. A proof of this is that the people who built the Tower of Babel have a very interesting mid have a very interesting midrash written about them that they believed every 1656 years the sky would fall in very bizarre well that's you know the year 1656 is the year that the flood happened noah noah's flood so they said to themselves hmm we don't want to believe that there's a God causing accountability. We will deny God. It must be science. Well, science only, not science and God. So they started building these towers, even though it was hundreds, thousands, uh, over a thousand years away. Because once they built that false reality, they, had, they themselves had to go and live by it. So too, we have a fractured society where someone cannot be a malach. As a king, and this leads to decentralization of power within a country, promotes the individual. That's wonderful if people are not taking advantage of the system. But as we see with Haman, with Haman in the book of Esther, King Ahasuerus, King Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus tries to open up society a little bit, make everything according to people's own language, have more support on the local level. Haman, this evil Malchus, evil commanding monarchical dictator comes along behind the scenes to take advantage and there needs to be a unified action to stop people from taking advantage which is very tough in a democratic or representative republic society there's no king in Israel there's no king in America there's no king in modern day Israel people will do according to what they see as fit in their eyes the lesson here is something that sounds like some simple political or sociological lesson, but it really speaks to a deep desire within us, our desire to believe in our leaders, to take care of us, to take, to take care of everything for us, strongly and decisively, Baal Asheros superheroes. However, society itself has to heal religiously. And society has to go through a process of structuring itself caused by people, not by leaders, in order to set the table for strong leaders. Otherwise, there's a tremendous disconnect between all the parts in society, and society will inevitably fail. It relates so, so much to today. There are many, many disinformation campaigns to trick people. Picture whatever leader you want, whichever the presidents you liked recently. Disinformation plans prey on people's desire for the leaders to save them, but they end up being a psyop to lead them astray. In the positive discipline method of parenting, parents are encouraged to cultivate personal desire and motivation within a child, similar to the Montessori method. They are not supposed to do things for the child at all times. Nor are they meant to make demands of them to make them afraid. Think of the conversation between Rabbi Akiva and Tornus Rufus. Is it better that God created grain or bread? The conclusion that God should create bread because man should come along and finish the job. We're on this earth 
to partner in creation to finish the job as independent beings. Even the leaders come from the people. In Malach Bali'am, there's no leader without a people. Think of the conversation as to whether Yisro, Jethro, came before or after the giving of the Torah to advise Moshe, Moses, about the, about the legal system. If he came after the giving of the Torah, it would make sense that the Torah commanded a legal system, and then Yisro advises how to structure it. But if Yisro came, but if but if the Yisro came chronologically after the giving of the Torah, yet the Torah put it beforehand textually, that is empowering advice to the individual and to this community of study that one needs to partner in the process of Jewish law to make it applicable to the public, to fit it with that time, though the roots are essential and immutable. We are meant to be independently driven and not to focus on the Baal Ashtaros superheroes. And with that, I encourage the individual to look within themselves to gather together the community. And that is the lesson of, of Sneil Ben Kanaz. He was a wonderful leader who came along to send a strong message. And this message reverberates at that time and even in our time. Picture the president that you liked in the past few elections. Perhaps you liked none of them. Picture a strong leader. That particular person had tremendous agendas. They may have done a lot, but they could not finish the job because the entities around them did not listen. Yet their leadership was an initial message as part of this Shoftim type of process that a leader can be effective for 40 years. And the effectiveness is to unite the people and to have a religious awakening. Otherwise, the idolatry, the evil behavior leads to erosion in society. Thank you for listening to the Seven Ways podcast, the Sefer Shoftim, the Book of Judges. This is a downstream from religion series. Feel free to email me with comments or questions to rabbi at rabbibailey.com or rabbibailey at the sevenways.com.